Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday's Sports on the Sports History Network. The Bulgarian weightlifting team's success began with the hiring of Ivan Abijav as head coach of the national team. Abijav had been an assistant coach for many years, but in 1959 he got into trouble with government authorities by organizing a national teenage weightlifting championship. The thinking at that time was that those under the age of 17 were too young to withstand heavy weightlifting rigors. Back then, all the Soviet bloc countries were using the same training system training three or four times a week and not pushing for 100% maximums, except when a competition drew near. Abijab disagreed with that approach. He challenged authorities by claiming that he had a system that would enable Bulgaria to overtake the USSR and become the world's new weightlifting powerhouse. It was an audacious goal because the USSR had dominated weightlifting through the 1960s and 1970s. The Bulgarians finally relented, naming Abijav head coach. The year was 1969. He immediately began making radical changes. Bulgaria's top lifters started lifting three or four times a day, not three or four times a week. That approach ran against convention. For years, the thinking was that a weightlifter needed 48 hours to recover from heavy training. Few people believed that an athlete could fully recover from the training frequency that Abijav demanded. Abijav saw things differently. He believed that the human body was capable of much more intensity than had been thought previously. Water therapy, whirlpools, massage, proper diet, and adequate sleep were just some of the tools used to aid in recovery. And the intensity he required did nothing but increase. By 1984, Bulgarians were training as frequently as seven sessions a day. Here's an example of what the regimen involved. Monday through Friday, Saturdays were half days, Sundays were off days. Session 1, Snatch, working up to 90% of maximum. Session 2, Clean and Jerk, working up to 90%. Session 3, Front Squat, working up to 90%. Session 4, Clean and Jerk, working up to 95%. Session 5, Snatch, working up to 100%. Session 6, Clean and Jerk, working up to 100%. Session 7, Back Squats, working up to 95%. The repetitions were usually just one, never more than two, even on warm-ups. 
Workouts typically consisted of the snatch, clean and jerk, and squat. Any other exercise was considered a waste of energy. It is critical to keep in mind that the workouts listed above were for the elite lifters only, and not for anyone less than elite. Naturally, there were accusations of steroid usage. The team physician admitted to prescribing anabolic steroids to the lifters twice a year to help speed recovery. Over the years, some of the Bulgarian lifters tested positive. But Bulgaria was not the only country to test positive, and weightlifters aren't the only athletes guilty of steroid usage. Thankfully, testing has become more sophisticated in recent years, meaning that it has become more difficult for athletes to beat the tests. Please note the author does not condone nor advise steroid usage. At age 12, all promising young Bulgarian weightlifters attended sports schools. Coaches tested them in the 60-meter sprint, long jump, flexibility, 800-meter run, chin-ups to failure, sit-ups to failure, and push-ups to failure. In their first year, they also practiced other sports, lifting weights three or four times a week, in addition to doing their academic work. They'd visit with family members on weekends. Students were taught proper techniques with light weights for the first year. Food, warm-up suits, lifting belts, lifting singlets, and lifting shoes were all provided. Abijab's approach paid dividends. Bulgaria won three gold medals and three silver medals at the 1972 Olympics. How good was that? No Bulgarian athlete had placed in the top three just four years earlier. By 1974, Bulgaria began dominating the teenage divisions, and at the 1976 Olympics, Bulgaria won two gold medals, three silver medals, and one bronze medal. Little by little, Bulgaria was gaining ground on the mighty Soviets. At the 1981 and 1983 World Championships, Bulgaria won nine medals compared to the Soviets' ten. By 1984, Bulgarian lifters held 12 At the 1985 World Championships, 16 years after he had taken over as head coach of the national team, Ivan Abijev made good on his promise. The Bulgarian team defeated the USSR. They beat them again at the 1986 Worlds and continued to dominate until the early 1990s when many Bulgarian lifters began migrating to other countries. By then, Bulgarian was no longer under communist oppression. To understand just how amazing it was for Bulgaria to beat the Soviets, consider this. In 1984, the USSR had 340,000 registered weightlifters. Bulgaria had only 5,000. David had defeated Goliath. Without question, Niam Salamanglu was the most famous weightlifter to have trained under the Bulgarian system. Nicknamed the Pocket Hercules because of his small size, he stood just 4 foot 11. Niam took second place at the World Championships in 1983. 
He was only 16 years old. He won the gold medal in 1985 and 1986 before defecting to Turkey. There he won three Olympic gold medals and set numerous world records. The other world record holders coached by Abijev include Ivan Avanev, 52 kilo class, Nino Terzinski, 56 kilo, Mikhail Patrov, 67.5 kilo, Angel Genchev, 75 kilos, Alexander Varbanov, 75 kilo, Asin Zlatev, 82.5 kilo, Blagoy Bogoyev, 90 kilo, and Antonio Krostev, super heavyweight. In 2017, Ivan Abijev passed away at the age of 85 years. During his career, he coached 12 Olympic champions and 57 world champions. His methods, known as the Bulgarian training system, were controversial, seen as harsh, perhaps even cruel, but no one can argue with the results. In weightlifting circles, the name Ivan Abijev will live forever. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.